Welcome to this special bonus episode of the Passive House Podcast. I'm Zach Semke, Director of Passive House Accelerator, and we're pleased to be sharing a series of bonus episodes recorded at the International Passive House Conference 2023 in Wiesbaden, Germany. These interviews were made possible by support from Icon Windows and Doors, Inotech Windows and Doors, Intelligent Membranes, Minotaur, and Proclima. Please enjoy this bonus episode. My name is Andrew Peel from Peel Passivist Consulting. We do basically a fully um, dedicated consultancy firm uh, uh, for Passive House, doing building certification, building consultancy uh, training, as well as working with uh, component manufacturers to advance their products for yeah. Passive House certification. Are you presenting your own session here at the conference? I am not. No, I've decided to take a break this year. <laughs> and then you got dragged into facilitating I the session. It, yeah, which is a fun, uh, fun activity to do. Yeah. It is. It's, it can yeah. be quite hard work, though, but I, I'm sure you... Uh, you, you did a very good job. Uh, so you chaired this session, which was uh, tools and methods. Um, what what's that mean? Tools and methods. What was what was the, the content in general? Right. Yeah. So a lot of it did focus on uh, tools. So uh, you know, uh, basically computer based tools to assist with certain uh, you know design challenges. Right. So. Um, you know, whether it's um, assessing, optimizing amount of uh, PV and battery storage uh, in your building, or how do you have a uh, streamlined, effective workflow uh, to take, uh, you know, an architectural um, design into uh, PHPP. Yeah. Now, this is interesting because we, we were in a session yesterday with certifiers and trainers uh, with the affiliates from um, Passive House Association. And this kind of came up. We were talking about what it would be great to have um, new technology and software to streamline the design process. So did that come up in this? Was that part of the session? Yeah, definitely. And I'm really encouraged by the developments that some of these uh, brilliant minds are working on. Uh, Basically, um, yeah, this whole theme of streamlining uh, that process from how do you get from an architectural model to a reliable PHPP that is also verifiable for uh, certification. I think there's a lot of hours spent by um, great, um, experienced, um, intelligent Passos consultants. They're doing a lot of uh, uh, grunt work, right? Like TFA yeah. takeoffs and stuff and building multiple models um, and, and trying to keep them all um, coordinated with architectural or mechanical design, right? And so tools that really help to um, reduce or eliminate a lot of that grunt work that's not high value work, yeah. but that t- takes up a lot of time, yeah. means we can uh, work on more projects um, and uh, do them more effectively. Even the concept of takeoffs sounds mm. a bit archaic in the age of 3D modeling and mm. And when you've got these amazing drawing tools that you can spin buildings around and, and drag things and, and BIM, yet in Passive House world, we've got to take off measurements and put them into a spreadsheet. Mm. So um, it doesn't seem like it should be too much of a leap to get to some smarter ways of, of doing the energy analysis. 
Yeah, I'd agree. And I think the, the folks who presented, uh, they recognize that, I think, through their own pains of doing their right. own projects and realize, yeah. no, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. we we got to bring this, this approach of how we, we deal with energy modeling yeah, into the 21st century with the, the enhancements, with competing power, uh, software developments, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely um, a very welcome development. Yeah. Um, so any standouts? What, what was the uh, what was the takeouts from the from chairing the session? Um, well, I love uh, I mean a variety of things. Uh, so I mean Ed May, um, he's been uh, working on his uh, suite of software mainly for his own uh, practice, um, and he's found it's, it's really helped his practice. But um, you know he's made it open source and available freely available, which was great to, to other practitioners who want to um, obtain that. And he's really uh, trying to um, uh, build energy models in a way that really um, connect well um, the 3D energy models that connect well with the PHPP and yeah. that can um, uh, really avoid a lot of that grunt work right. uh, and provide good documentation for certification. And that's the Honeybee PH? That's the Honeybee PH, yeah, Right, exactly. And by by nature of being a Honeybee, that's, that's open source? Um, yes, I believe, yeah, it's a honey, uh, open source uh, platform. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and uh, you were just talking to um, Anthony, Anthony Burns there. Um, what, what, uh, tell us a bit about his, what he's working on. Right, yeah, it's a really cool tool, uh, PH Live Sync. Basically, it's the first and only tool we've come across where we have a two-way connection between uh, the architectural model, so yeah. the, uh, in, say, you, well, in this case, he's built it in Revit, and um, the PHPP, right? So there's actually a direct two-way connection. So you can make updates in the architectural model, it'll, um, and you can push that update to PHPP, yeah. get an updated PHPP model. Uh, and uh, in the uh, reverse direction, you can actually make updates to PHPP and then bring that back into the Revit model, and that'll update your Revit model. Right. Yeah. That's, that's pretty exciting. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, where does Design PH sit in all this? Uh, you had Dragos uh, talking a little bit about that, but where's where's Design PH at? Yeah, they're continuing to develop it, and we're you know much anticipated uh, features that they're they're still working on. Um, you know, it's it's got its limitations right now in terms of not being able to, to deal with cooling effectively. It's not it's not um, analyzing cooling. Yeah. So they're working on th- introducing that, and that's a, a big stepping stone towards being able to use Design PH. Um, um, uh, at, on its own without PHPP, um, particularly for uh, simple buildings like single-family homes where you could actually potentially design and model all of your, your, your entire building, your home, yeah. uh, in the one software. Yeah. And um, going backwards through the program a little bit here, but uh, I, I did catch uh, some of Mariana's presentation, very interesting, talking about um, the challenge of communicating yeah. uh, um the value of passive house. Um, you, you've obviously worked worked closely with um, Mariana uh, a little bit in the education side of things. Uh, yeah, I mean they're they're doing some great work um, in the U.S. on the trades training side. They're they're yeah. much focused on that, right? And yeah. they're really working at making trades training uh, much more engaging um, and really trying to. Um, 
uh, they've, they've been on a journey of learning how to better communicate and, and relate to the builders and tradespeople that they, they want to bring into the training and seeing that actually, you know, our you know, views as, as the folks from the Passover's community, often consultants or trainers, and the reasons why we might do Passive House can often be quite different than why a builder or tradesperson might entertain coming to yeah. a Passive House trades training yeah. course. Yeah. Um, and uh, just rounding it out, um, a presentation about using PHPP for cooling equipment, because the big focus is often how do I reduce the, the heating demand, um, you know, putting more insulation in, but... Uh, in this conference in general, there's a lot, there are a lot of people here from Spain, there's a lot of people from warmer climates. Uh, what was the outcome of that uh, in, in looking at can, can you model? Because modeling for cooling can be quite hard. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge. This is actually a topic very close to my heart because we're, we're working on this problem as well in Canada. Um, and it's, yeah, really like, okay, well, what, what's, how do you reliably predict uh, the cooling loads um, yeah. in, in a passive house? Because we want to right size cooling equipment, right? yeah. Um, and we we've seen time and time again uh, engineers over specifying equipment, and right. uh, we don't have a lot of like monitoring data to support that. But we have indirect evidence to say, hey, the, this equipment is not running at capacity ever, right? right. It, it might be two or three times oversized. Yeah. So Oliver was really taking a look deeper look at well. You know, is PHPP a, a suitable tool for calculating or estimating the cooling load? And if not, could we actually um, modify it or, or um, adapt it so that we, we can get reliable cooling loads out of that? And so the assumption at the moment is it's not quite as accurate as it needs to be? Um, I think the, the, his early experience um, with some uh, cooling strategies in Spain showed that the systems they had put in were undersized and I gathered from it that he, uh, they were relying on PHPP for uh, for that analysis. Right. But he didn't. He didn't go into too much of the historical background to it. Yeah. Uh, more just what he was trying to develop. Yeah. It's a really. It's an interesting emerging space, and um, you know, being in in my part of the world uh, and talking to architects in Australia, obviously dealing with pretty warm climates. Even in in Auckland, where I am, uh, there's a there's a significant amount of cooling. Even far south as, as Christchurch, you know, there's cooling that is needed, and if you're insulating so well, uh, you, and you can't rely on on natural ventilation, I think that was another assumption that can be problematic. If you're relying on an assumed amount of airflow from opening windows, or if it's above that 25 degrees Celsius outside, then opening the windows isn't going to help anyway. So mm. that's it does get tricky to. To model. Plus, you've got to deal with the thermal mass of the, the building as well over time, mm-hmm. which is a little bit a little bit tricky. So, yeah, that'll be an interesting space to watch. Um, and speaking of sun, uh, really interesting about this evaluation of PV in mm-hmm. in buildings. What was the what's the current um, results from that modelling? Uh, yeah, so this is uh, Fabian Ox, a researcher in. in um uh, in Austria, who's been looking at, okay, well, we have a passive house. Uh, we also want to introduce uh, PV into that, right, to help yeah. generate. And he's really looking at and trying to optimize, okay, well, um, how do we get as much out of the PV serving needs of the building as opposed to exporting to the grid? You know, that'd be the most efficient use of PV. So he's looking at different scenarios of size of PV and whether you have storage or not, uh, either electric or even yeah. uh, thermal storage. And you know how much should you have 
to get the right amount of um, PV system size as well as storage to optimize the actual on-site use of, um, of yeah. the PV generation. Because um, that's something that I've heard a lot about just in the last couple of days. Uh, yesterday I heard a presentation um, showing that the economics of PV depend quite heavily on not just the upfront cost, but if you're getting any um, money for the for the what you're generating on site and how much storage costs and in that in the particular example that um, was shown, it didn't actually stack up economically mm. because the the, the buyback um, the feed-in tariff was was so low mm. uh, compared with with the upfront costs, but it also, that model also showed that um, it doesn't take much for those parameters to change mm. uh, when and then PV does become um, a, a pretty good option. Mm. But the foundation of it being a good option is still a passive house mm-hmm. because otherwise you just you're going to be losing, uh, fighting a losing battle of, of trying to or just scratching the surface of your of your energy demand. Yeah, for sure, yeah, and I think that's the consensus in the passive community is that we should be building passive houses first and then integrating renewables where it uh, where it makes sense, for yeah. sure. And, and, and Fabian did actually mention that um, there is uh, an economic analysis piece of that work um, yeah. that he's working on, and that I, I don't know if it was finished or he just didn't have uh, time to present it, right. um, but that is a piece of the, the research. So it's not just the technical energy analysis, but also what makes financial sense yeah so lots of really exciting uh, work going on uh, obviously a very popular session as mm. well it was pretty busy in here um, what's what's your takeaway uh, and summary of the session I think uh, a lot of promising um, developments and I think we're really heading in the right direction of really streamlining this modeling uh, the you know the the, the tools uh, for modeling um, and the, the processes because, yeah, we I mean, we're moving into a, um, a time of really uh, focus on upscaling passivos. How do yep. we stop building our individual buildings and really build them on mass? Yep. And we need uh, the proper tools working in a streamlined manner to, uh, to facilitate that.